Welcome to the Wilson Show. This is Lord Extra Cooler, and welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> right, so, uh, right, so, what's in the cooler? Oh, <laughs> just blew my mind. <laughs> the rhino, the rhino's on ya. Extra credit. Sports, 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 sports side heater. Extra credit. Welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Welcome back to a new era of the Extra Cooler Show. My name is Nick, otherwise known as Extra Cooler. So just to give you guys a little bit of an insight, when we started this podcast, it was always my intention to use my platform, Extra Cooler, and my artwork um, to uh, start this podcast and discuss all things professional wrestling, whether it was from the stuff we grew up on or the current state of wrestling. Um, so I'm excited to start this new era, this new journey of the Extra Cooler Show with uh, my three best friends, Matt, Jim, and Mike. And we're going to be putting out shows on a weekly basis from now on, unless Matt goes away on vacation because he's the man behind the magic. So just to give you guys a little bit more of an insight, we're going to alternate between homework episodes where we'll discuss a match that uh, the listeners vote on on my Instagram story. And the best of Dino Bravo usually, right? <laughs> Sorry. Go no. Ahead. And then and then the next week will be an extra credit episode where, where Matt leads us through uh, all things happening in the world of wrestling. So uh, we can touch on all the exciting stuff that's happening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Extra Cooler and at Extra Cooler Show. And uh, also make sure you're following the Pod Foundation, Chick Foley Show, and the good guys over at the Turnbuckle Tavern. So I'm excited to be back and let you guys know what's in the cooler. So I've got, uh, I, I actually brought this downstairs and uh, I go back to school tomorrow, but I, I think I started with this at the start of summer. And it's uh, by Sloop. It's no tan lines. It's a New England IPA. And uh, it's delicious. I don't have much else to say. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us what's in the cooler? All right. So, again, I have another beer that ended up in my fridge, and I don't know why or how or where it came from, but uh, it's pretty delicious. It's called When Giants Roamed. It's from Alewife Brewing out of Queens, New York. Uh, it's got Azteca and Centennial, which are two of my favorite hop strains. So uh, 7.1, the can art is really cool. I'll make sure to post a picture to my Instagram and uh, yeah, pretty delicious. So cheers, fellas. Awesome. Uh, Mike, what's in your cooler? Hi, Nick. Uh, what's in my cooler is a super fractal kangaroo set from the Equilibrium Brewery in Middletown. Oh, New York. right down the street from me. That's right. This is a whopper at 10%. So I'm going to be feeling it in a little bit. Cheers. Oh, man. Mike's going to start rocking back and forth like mankind <laughs> in his chair. You know it. I will. <laughs> and squealing like a pig. Oh, uh, please Jim, no. Jim, Jim, what's in the cooler? So I have a, uh, a local Rochester beer here. It's Stoneyard Brewing Company. This is a special collaboration with uh, a local deli, Rubino's Italian Food Market. And it is a cannoli cream ale. And it is pretty goddamn bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's seven percent at least, but it's very sweet. And uh, they do always do these collaborations, and uh, they always like you know it sounds good, it's gimmicky, but and then you're like, hmm, hmm not so much. Yeah, oh, I bet you wish that was a beer that was left in your fridge and that you didn't purchase. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now there's three more of them in there. So there's, there's that. <laughs> thanks again, Jim. There's still some from when you came down. Yeah, um, was hoping, uh, what you were drinking Day? was going to be one of mine. Yes. That's what happens though. Right? <laughs> it's a good thing. All right. Well, uh, I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to be back on a, a weekly basis. This is exciting. Um, so we can get into a little bit more of a groove. All right. So for this week's homework, we decided to return to the polls in my Instagram story at extra cooler. And, uh, we came up with the theme of September matches and, uh, my match one, which was Shawn Michaels, the champion versus mankind from September 22nd, 1996 in your house mind games. Was there any chance that that wasn't going to win? No. Was, I mean, well, that's, I he, went head to, he went head to head with uh, the late, great uh, Del Wilkes, yeah, which was uh, my pick. <laughs> I was I really felt strongly about a Bret Hart Del Wilkes match from uh, I believe it was it's the pay-per-view from a year after Mind Games. It was uh, Ground Zero. And come on, come on, people, Del Wilkes. <laughs> this is actually um, I- I've said this many, many times, um, but this is one of my favorite. Uh, eras of wrestling because you can see the tide turning um, and this this pay-per-view is a prime example of it um, the show starts off with uh, Savio Vega versus Justin Bradshaw making Just, his uh, Justin Hawk Bradshaw Justin Hawk Bradshaw with uh, Zeb Coulter aka Uncle Zebekaya um, in a Caribbean strap match and Harvey Whippleman was a special guest referee <laughs> Um, and you, you also know. have the ECW guys ringside. Too, yeah. Which is, it's a really interesting time. Like you said, it really is. And Vince, Vince refers to them as uh, some local wrestlers. <laughs> they're in, they're in Philadelphia, mind you. Oh man. We've also got on this card, uh, coming out to Shawn Michaels music, Jose Lothario, uh, yes. versus Jim, Jim Cornette in a singles match that lasts less than a minute. Dude, what about um, Jim Cornette's ring gear? That's uh, disturbing. I'd say he looks like he's wearing a like a a, a novelty condom or something. I, I don't know what to say about it. Like red and black. I, I, it's the less. I'm glad that match was only a minute long. I'll say that. I, I'm going to get right to it. Uh, this is Mike's guy, uh, but Mr. Perfect on commentary during this era is so strange and so it it doesn't fit. Like at the end of the Jose Lothario match. Uh, Shawn Michaels' music's playing, and Mr. Perfect says how uh, he, he thinks Jose Lothario needs new music because he's not a sexy boy. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, ooh, You expect better perfect. from Perfect, right? I think, he's just, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we covered... You do expect uh, better. Yeah, I think we covered a match, though, previously where Perfect was on commentary, and we it was his first one. I can't remember what match, but I know we ripped him then, and it doesn't look like he's grown since... Uh, no. He interviews no. Diesel in WrestleMania 12. Yes, okay. Talks over his Kukuka chew. Yeah, yeah. He's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, also on the card, we've got uh, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog with Clarence Mason. And uh, they defeat the Smoking Guns, Barton Billy with Sonny uh, for the Tag Team Championship. Who fires them. Yeah. yeah, fires them. This match is about 11 minutes long, but it feels like 25 minutes. And, um, you know, the highlight is... The, the giant sunny banner coming down yes. and it's got like the graffiti from Owen and, and Bulldog on there. How do you guys um, feel about these, the sunnies well, of this era? You got the, the smoking gun, sunny, you had the, the Godwins, sunny, right? And then yeah. of course the body down is sunny. Would you have a preference, personal preference? Uh, smoking guns, sunny was 
was yeah. up there. Yeah, she's got those like "Hey Dude" vibes going. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, I, "Hey call. Dude" vibes. <laughs> We've also got another debut on the card. It's Mark Henry uh, defeating Jerry Lawler by submission. Um, oh boy, what a barn burner! But uh, it, that I, that's as bad as the beer I'm drinking right now. That <laughs> Uh, Mark Henry's uh, tracksuit is pretty sweet, though. I'd, yeah. I'd buy that right now if I could. Undertaker defeating Goldust with Marlena in a final curtain match. This this kind of lost my attention. Um, but I want to circle back because I forgot to mention this. Right before the Owen Hart and Bulldog match, there is like a, a really quality promo. And you've got Brian Pillman coming down. And he he challenged Brett to a match and, and Brett no showed the event, but Brett wasn't scheduled to be there. Um, it's kind of like this weird era of Pillman and they're trying to figure out what Pillman's doing. He calls Austin down who, who is coming off of, of winning the King of the ring a few months earlier. Um, it's just, it's just weird. Uh, it's old a tech very, team partner. Yeah. What's the, a, uh, and what's the Pillman Austin timeline here where the gun in the house situation, does that happen after this? After, or is that yeah. before? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's but I think this, this gets to your point of uh, the WWF transitioning at the point where you have these, you know, Pillman, I think you can include in him, though he unfortunately passes away the next year, but he's part yeah. of this kind of like early attitude, the shift that the sea change. Yes. He's a big the proponent of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Austin work so well together, and they look like they're on the same page just from like the ring gear and everything. They the way they talk, it's they're really they his facial expressions. The, he's yeah, like kissing yeah. the camera, like yeah. yeah. After, the, <laughs> after a crummy 1995 for the WWF, these guys like really inject a little something into the into the federation. He doesn't get enough credit for the push of the Attitude Era, probably because of his passing. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, he is instrumental. Before we talk about our homework match, I did notice, and I didn't go looking for them, there are some dark matches on this. The free-for-all has Savio Vega defeating Marty Jannetty with Leaf Cassidy. Evil uh, Marty Jannetty, right? Yes, yes. And uh, then the dark matches that happen after the main event are uh, Jake Roberts defeating Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Farouk with Sonny. Sonny's doing double duty tonight. Yeah. And uh, defeating Mark Merrill with Sable. And then you've got Psycho Sid defeating Vader, who's accompanied uh, by Jim Cornette. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't put that one on the card. I know. It's, uh, it's kind of nice, though, because when I turned it on, I forgot that In Your Houses were only like two hours. Oh, don't you love it? Oh, this don't is awesome. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is so good. And it, it worked really well because, yeah, you know, I didn't really care about a lot of the matches, but I watched the whole thing and two hours made it super watchable in my opinion. Yeah. It's one of those ones where like, you know, we're doing the homework and you just throw it on the background. You kind of like, let it, let it percolate. Yeah. And then you, you lock in when it's your match and it's, it's, you get intrigued by some of the stuff like the Austin Pillman thing and, and other stuff that's happening on this card. It's, it's a nice two hours is I love it. I love to believe they were a uh, $10 cheaper or something like that. Yes. Back in the yes, day. they were. They yeah, definitely discount were probably, action. Like, like 34 95 or something. <laughs> yeah, my mom still wasn't going for it, though. No, <laughs> no, 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 I don't think any of ours. Sorry to go back to Mark Henry, but there's a part where he's like touring Philadelphia because he's, of course, an all-American Olympian. And like he's doing, seen all the American sites. And he's petting a horse and like molesting the Liberty Bell at some point. So you should check that out if you get a chance. <laughs> so um, 
And before we talk about this match, uh, I have to reference the fact that I can remember, I think it was about two to three years ago, um, I was all in on Edge and Christian show. And one of their first early episodes, I think it was like in the first 20 shows or so, they had an uh, anatomy of the match breakdown and it featured Sean and Mick Foley. And they talked for about an hour about this. Now, I can remember listening to it uh, when it came out. So I went to go look for it and I looked on all the podcast formats and it's not out there. So uh, shout out and thank you to that random guy on uh, on YouTube who decided to record it and and put it on his YouTube channel because I was able to go back and listen to it. So uh, I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to, but as we talk about this, I'm definitely going to drop in some some little tidbits that they spoke about uh, on that because... I, yeah, I, got, I was able to listen to half of it or so, and I loved it. It's so good. It's well worth a listen. Um, it's such a great companion piece to the match itself. It, it's two masters of in-ring psychology telling you how and why they were booking the match, and mm -hmm. it was well worth the listen. So and oh, definitely go seek it out. Totally. The two of them are funny together, too, because uh, yeah. Michaels doesn't remember anything where Foley is like a savant and remembers like every yep. part of every match he's ever wrestled. And Michaels is just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> it's he, great. And they are, like he said. I think uh, Michaels even says it in the beginning. He's that he's happy that Mick is here because he remembers that stuff. And I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we cut to the backstage promo or interview with uh, Kevin Kelly and, and Sean in the interview is selling it as if he's nervous for the match. Um, Mankind is is pretty much a lunatic. Uh, his character is just that of a crazy person. And. It's so good. We've talked about Mick Foley's characters in our Cactus Jack episode. Um, but this, this man, this introduction to the WWF is an amazing character. I mean, is this the first and only guy to ever have uh, intro and outro music? That's a good question. I want to say there might be some other guy earlier, but I don't have that fact in my pocket right now, but it's, it is fantastic. <laughs> and this is his debut year, right? He debuts yes. what, in April or something like that in the first half of the year. And then he, mm -hmm. yeah. So he's like, he's a monster heel in the company right now. He was legitimately it, frightening. And I was yes. old enough to know better at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean, he had, um, Undertaker turn on Paul Bearer. So Paul Bearer is with him. Um, and it's just so good. What he calls him Uncle Paul the whole time. Yes. And uh, he's referring to mommy throughout all of his promos. It's just, it's excellent. And like I said earlier, he's squealing like a pig, um, he, pulling at he, his hair. He was one of those guys. Um, I didn't watch wrestling in 95 or 96, except when you kind of made me, Nick, you pointed me in the direction of certain things. And he was one of those things. And I was like, damn, this guy's pretty intense with the mandible claw and everything. And like, scary you moves. Was, yeah, you knew he was Cactus Jack because we had read like you would get those the pro wrestling illustrated magazines and stuff. So we knew of Cactus Jack, but like in this form, it was, it was such an interesting thing and it was such a cool direction. Another, another, you know, feather in the hat of WF in 1996, adding Mick Foley to the roster. Right, right. And uh, I don't know why I watched this and at my age now, I completely forgot and didn't think he was going to be in the casket. I have absolutely no clue why I didn't think touch. of that. Um, it's like a tiny just, little casket though. It's yeah. not, yeah. And they carried out and he comes out when they get to the ringside. Uh, it's just, it's a nice little touch. Now this is one month before 
in your house buried alive where mankind is set to feud with undertaker in the Mm -hmm. buried alive match so the match before it i believe is undertaker versus gold dust yes and there's kind of these interwoven feuds going on and it's really cool that there's so many different stories that are kind of intertwining at that point and crossing paths and you're you're starting to see a little bit of that storytelling in in wrestling now but it was cool to see it again back then that's a great point i'm glad you brought that up um it's one of my favorite things that they talk about on the the edge and christian podcast is that this match itself michael's of mankind had no real build to it right like no kind of drop these guys together would yep. it, uh, michael's need an opponent for a pay-per-view I, I, but thank god because this is right you know, this is excellent this, this is um the, their first time in the ring and uh you know uh mick foley says on that podcast how he wishes that this was on one of the big four pay-per-views hell because, yes because if it was it, it would go down in history as one of the better matches um, because it's such great storytelling from the beginning to the end. What I was thinking while watching it was kind of in that, in that vein was that I wish that Michaels didn't get hurt however the next year. And I wish like these two fought at WrestleMania 13 as well. And like a return right. match, because this is such, it reminds me of the Austin Brett match at WrestleMania 13, you know, in a way, obviously totally different matches, different circumstances, but, it's two guys at the top of their game just going at it and they, they click so well. And I think that's what reminds that that's what reminds me of Austin Brett is that they, the way they click these guys, it's yeah. incredible. Funny you say that because uh, click seems to be the buzzword of this pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If, you, if you drink every time uh, somebody says click, uh, oh, you'd yeah. be pretty Ooh, wasted good one. by the good end. One. Or if you see a click <laughs> reference right. on a poster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Click sucks. Yeah, and click sucks. Like, Even a man like, like, to see talk about it. It's, it's like over the top. Yeah, if you know if Bear is referencing click. As much as I love this era of Shawn Michaels, I could not wait for him to get rid oh, of no. uh, Jose Lothario by I his side. I thought you were going to say you can't um, wait for him to get rid of his stripper cap in uh, the wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were definitely going there. Like Lothario finds <laughs> the stripper outfit. I know. <laughs> I mean, you, don't like that, you, you don't like that hat with mirrors on I it. Hate you didn't that have that hat. hat. So much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had that hat. I hate that hat. I, I want to find Lothario's jacket for Nick. Oh, like, yeah. He's got now that. That I could see you wearing. It's like a blazer, but it's all studded out and mirrored out <laughs> for Shawn Michaels, right? And Ted wrestling for sale. You need to find that. Sean Michaels. <laughs> Michael's Personal collection, not for sale. <laughs> Michaels, I think we can all agree that um, he has like the best like ring gear, the pants, right? Like yes. the best, right? Like the different variations, but his. Oh, the entrance. And the other stuff no, is like the worst. He combines like, the best with the worst, like assless chaps. Oh, like, man. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would be worried about um, <laughs> like any of those chain links getting caught on my like chest hair or something yeah. on the way off. Um, this is but- <laughs> also full blown Vince going crazy for oh, Sean Vince Era. Vince Lothario is on the Philadelphia Flyers have won the title. Oh, the Philadelphia 76ers have, if you listen to this crowd, if you will. It's like, oh my God. The most flamboyant superstar yeah. in the WWF history. What does that even mean? The most flamboyant? Like, all right. I don't like, know. Ugh. Oh, God. Uh, All right, let's Vince in full Vince mode. (laughs) No, thanks. Oh, man. So let's let's get to the match because uh, it starts off 
it there is like not a dull moment in this match. Nope. It um it starts off with mankind. It, they work their way outside of the ring. Mankind pulls up the mat and and Michaels hits him with a drop kick and then stomps him while he's under the mat. If you know what you know now, you can like look back and see that like Michael's attitude. And, and it's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, Foley said in that interview on edge and Christian's podcast that he wanted to make sure this match gave Sean um, some grit. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he was such a baby face champion at the time and, and Sean credits this match and Mick for, uh, for adding layers to his character. Much yeah. needed. They're coming Much right needed. out of the boyhood dream at this point. And like Mick was talking about that, that true grit and, you you see it throughout the match for sure. Yeah, this reminds you know like uh, Matt always harps on how he hates babyface Brett. Like where th- I think this babyface Sean at its absolute peak with no oh, layers, no layers, it's, it's sickening. Yeah. No, I'm not going there. But baby babyface <laughs> Brett still has heel tendencies, so he's never a babyface. <laughs> but let's move on. Let's not talk about Brett. Stop trying to shoehorn it in for me, Jeff. <laughs> so, so I think. Um, I think this is the the most important part from the interview for Edge and Christian's uh, podcast. There's a spot at the SummerSlam previous where Shawn Michaels and Vader face off. Um, and it's like the classic rumor of, of Shawn getting pissed at, at Vader in the middle of the match and like stomping at him, and cursing him. You, you could go back and watch and you can find that. Um, and that was real. That was, that, that was not a work. He's mad um, at Leon, as he says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, Mick Foley goes to him before the match and brings up, brings it up to Sean, like, Hey, you know, lately there's always a point in your match where you seem to get pissed off at your opponents and, uh, and there's a botch. Um, so Mick proposes the idea uh, and he's super nervous. He says, he explains how he's super nervous as he's telling Sean this. He wants to plan a spot where he, he quote unquote botches a spot and Sean gets pissed at him. And Sean absolutely loves the idea and they go for it. And it happens really early. Um, you can see it. It looks like a, a legit shoot fight in the middle of the match. They're like tussling. You know, Michaels goes to the opposite corner. And he looks pissed that that Foley missed the spot. And then next thing you know, Foley takes him down. And it looks like he's got him in the cross face chicken wing. He's squealing, trying to put the mandible claw on him. It looks mm-hmm. it looks real. Vince is actually like referencing it. The one thing I don't think they talked about on the podcast, though, they kept between the two of them or if like Vince knew about that. That's such a I love that you pointed out that Vince um, talks about it because Watching it, I, watching this before listening to the Edge and Christian podcast, I'm like, oh, he's Michaels is doing it again right after Vader. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I can't believe this guy. So that's, I mean, that's the genius of Foley again. But like, it's interesting if it's a good, like he said, a good point. Right. If Mick, was McMahon in on it? I don't know. He must have been, I guess, if he's kind of right. referencing it in the match. Right. So right. Michaels probably. Michaels even yells, "Come on!" because yes. he goes, he gets shot to the corner, and he goes up on the second rope like he's going to hit the flying crossbody and expecting Foley to be there uh, chasing him. And he yells, "Come on!" And then he stomps over to the other side of the ring, and yeah. Vince is yelling, "Michaels is hot!" <laughs> like yeah. he's yeah. just fuming. <laughs> and then the I, you said it, he like is struggling to get him into the mandible claw, but he has this really cool transition that he's in front of him and just kind of flips around and you 
you forget how big mankind is. And this dude can actually like move around in the ring. Oh, you see a ton of cactus Jack tendencies throughout this match, which I love him, you know, still paying homage, if you will, to his previous guy. And even in, in the podcast, he's like, or I think, I think he spoke about in the podcast, but if not, I know that he's said, you know, Mankind didn't really know what to do with it. And then he was just expecting to roll with it for a few months. And then he turned back into Cactus Jack. But you can still see the the Jack influence throughout it. And how he looks, uh, Foley looks like in some of the best shape of his life. Yeah. Match, I think like, right. He looks really trim, more trim yes, than you ever remember. Very, right. Mm-hmm. Very much. And he, so. Even when he was a bigger dude, he could always move. He's a freak athlete. He always has been. But here he's right. like, man, this guy can go. Yeah. I love how they work on his leg and he's, he sells it so great. He, oh. he takes a beating to the leg, but he's like beating it. And he like, what, what is that? A pen or a, like, looks like a plastic yeah. fork. He's like stabbing his own leg on yeah, the ring. Bring, apron. Uh, bring the feeling back to it. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, but, but that's just how you sell something like that. And I feel like it's almost like a lost art. Some of wrestling now it's very much ahead of its time yes. for WWF, like the in and out, um, of the ring, the, the beatings, and then even the table spot. Um, he he says, he says how he walks around the ring a few times fully and he moves the table a few times to make it Mm -hmm. look like it was there uh, Uh, accidentally. So funny. Um, it's just like this guy is, is gotta be one of the smartest minds to ever wrestle. What's that expression? People say, you know, he's playing 40 chess. Like he, he sees Mm. the whole field, right? Right. He's a genius with it. And it's, and, and then you combine that with Michaels, the athleticism and right. And who also knows how to tell a story, who also knows how to tell a great story. Um, That's what's funny about this is that Foley is so good. You like (laughs) Michaels is like, you know, obviously he tells an incredible story, but Foley just adds this, that element to it that I think really just takes this match to the level that it's known Mm -hmm. for. So going back to the knee and mankind selling the knee, like he goes through and HBK is like working on it heavy. Like you said, he's has a nasty dragon screw then into a figure four, a really awesome, like off the ropes, like uh, off of an Irish whip drop kick to the knee, half crab. He's going through all these things. And at one point mankind regains control and um, throws HBK out of the ring And he starts really selling his knee and mankind, you know, he hunches over and has that kind of like trolling kind of way around the ring, but he is like standing up as straight as I've ever seen mankind and just kind of flexing that knee back and forth. And he looks like a prancing horse. Like, you know, when a horse is like (laughs) walking backwards and like kind of trotting at the same time and his arms are swinging back and forth, like a pendulum, like the selling and the way that mankind is doing it in this, in this match here, like the horse part just made me laugh, but man, uh, master, master craftsman, both of these guys. I'm sure his ring gear didn't help with that brown, (laughs) like shit colored uh, ring gear. What do you want to talk about first, the table spot or the the spot with his head Bingo between the, tables, the ropes? Those like <laughs> the head between the ropes. I mean, is amazing. Oh uh, yeah, head, yeah. And he like so. This is like another spot where Foley basically went to Sean and said like, "Hey, so I've got this infamous spot where I got my head caught in the ropes and ripped off my ear. I want to do it again." But it's just awesome. Like they're trying to get him out, and then he applies the mandible claw like mid yeah. mid head tied up in the ropes. It's, that caught that's me by nuts. such such a surprise. 
it's one of those <laughs> moves that no matter how many times you see it, you still cringe because it's oh, yeah. just unbelievable. But the cool part about this one is as he's head literally stuck in the ropes, Michaels comes up to attack and mankind gets the mandible claw locked in for what feels like two seconds. And yes. Michaels, you know, helps him out of the ropes, I guess, if you will. And they both go to the outside. At this point, he goes and tries to apply the mandible claw again, but mankind gets tossed into the guardrail. And this oh, is one of the funniest parts yes. of the match to me because he goes flying into the guardrail, but there's three man Spanish announce table next to them. <laughs> and <laughs> there's two really padded chairs. And then the third chair is just on one of those classic blue WWF chairs. And this dude takes a bump like huge, sells it massive, but <laughs> There's mankind is nowhere close to the dude. Like, go back yeah. and watch it again because yeah. 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 this dude is selling, takes a massive bump for zero reason because there was no yeah. way he was touched. Yeah. Maybe it was all that glitter that was in the ring from yes. Goldust and he oh, tripped yeah. on okay. some of that. So it was Goldust. I'm like, is, Michael's wearing body glitter. And I saw that mankind has it on too. So Big like, dot. Oh, Michael is yes. covered instantly in all of this gold dust glitter. Yeah, blame it on Goldie. That's fine. <laughs> Shout out Mick Foley for uh, applying the small package in the middle of this match. Um, that was a personal favorite of mine. Oh, um, but uh, <laughs> well, let's let's get to the. It was uh, an unusual the, small package too. It just like kind of shot the half Nelson and got yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. grab the other leg. Um, Let's talk about the table spot because this was another thing that uh, that Foley spoke about on Edge and Christian's podcast. Um, he said this was the only spot in his entire career that he's ever uh, uh, planned out and tried beforehand. So there's a spot where where Michaels is up on again that table set up on the outside, and um, Michaels is up on the second turnbuckle on the outside of the ring. And he goes to give him like a, a back body suplex and onto the table. And Michaels reverses it with a cross body. And it looks like it's got to hurt. They edge or Christian says this to him on the podcast, how the, the most underrated part of the spot was the fact that they did not remove the TVs from yeah. the table. So they oh, land yeah. on those two massive TVs. Mankind um, is laying there oh, with the monitor yeah, yeah. on his stomach, yeah. like selling there. And to me, Earl Hebner comes over and he's like slapping yeah. both of the guys in the face. Like normally you'd, mm -hmm. you'd see referees come over now and like they do the hand spot and, you know, checking <laughs> to make sure that they're okay. But Hebner is straight up just slapping these dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and then doesn't Vince get in Hebner's ear at some point there? Like, it, like it adds this realism to it. Like Vince comes off a of commentary. He's oh, like, I missed he, that. Yeah. He's like talking. He's, he's yeah. Like, I don't know what he's saying, but it, it was in this kind of weird era where like you kind of knew Vince was the owner at this right. point. Right. Like, right. And then but the, everything progresses so fast. Well, from wait, there. Don't, don't they talk about on, um, on the podcast that, uh, this was one of the, the table spot was not a big thing in the WWF. At this no, point, right? it, what, you're mm -hmm. right. Excellent point. They talk about that. This was like one of the first like major table spots. In, yeah. I'm, in I'm trying WWF. I, the past, since you brought it up, I've been trying racking mm -hmm. my brain thinking of something that happened before. And I can't no. think of anything I'm sure there's something that maybe there Not is. Right. Or is it? No. Yeah, maybe, and again, yeah. they, they've got that ECW influence. They're in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, you and know, they've Brett got the guys the table, in the crowd. Uh, and he Brett cactus took a table bump. Yeah. I don't maybe know. Maybe it was before that. 
Maybe I, there might have been something, but not like right around not that like this. time. And though. this looks has a such a for being if it is one of the first big spots, especially of this era. It has such a cool look to it too. Like oh, really, totally, you know, like it has a unique look. The way at the reverse, like I think uh, Mick Foley says on the podcast that he, they wanted they did it backwards almost or like, right. the reverse of what it was supposed to look like. Right. Come on, everyone knows that Brett invented the table spot. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He went off so, the ladder into the table, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and he, t- he yeah. was very he was very sexy while he did it too. <laughs> Good looking fella. Hey. Yeah, um, yeah. Come join the dark side. <laughs> right, I want to get to the fact that the two of these guys get up from the table spot so fast. And um, you've got the red chair set up in the middle of the ring and Foley's climbing up on the outside turnbuckle and he's with a blue chair in his hand and Michaels runs the chair, jumps off the red chair, gives him sweet chin music midair somehow. And uh, he goes for the pinfall. This is where it just gets really weird. Like he clearly had fully pinned and he like Vader's slow fat to get down like like there's no way that he would have not had him pinned yeah, you um, can see him waiting and kind of looking yeah. too right he's so, waiting and he gets up from mankind from the pin early that yeah, it's at two not only does Michaels just essentially stand up from the pin but mankind kicks out too, like That's emphatically right. lifts his arm and shoulder to kick out at two. And man, it, here, here comes and the shit show, right? Yeah. yeah. What's Vader's problem anyway? <laughs> is he yeah, still mad about SummerSlam? Like what's his, yeah. Is he, yeah. Is he a bearer guy here? I'm a Paul he's, bearer guy. Oh, he's, yes. he's still with Cornette, isn't he? Oh yeah. He's a Cornette. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. He's just showing up for whatever. Fuck. It's, it's, it's weird. It's just, um, you could tell that Foley, like with the kick out, he definitely has his head facing towards the aisle. And yeah. he realizes too that that good old Leon's taking forever to get down there. <laughs> good old, good old Leon. <laughs> and then like Matt I, says, here comes the shit show. Sid shows up, right? Throwing a punch like he's uh, never seen anyone punch anyone else before right. in his entire life. <laughs> oh man. While so Sean clears Vader out of the ring eventually with the patented flying forearm bearer. It, uh, yeah. hits HBK from behind with the urn. Oh, and, it's a good spot. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is a good spot. And then as Vader is starting to climb that, that climb back into the ring, that's when Sid comes out to the ring okay. at that point, um, pulls Vader down off the apron and he goes to wind up to throw, like you said, the biggest punch in the world. And as he's doing it, Vader is pulling his trunks up. Like they <laughs> yeah. fell down yeah. during the point <laughs> and you see him falling backwards to sell it already as he's pulling up his tights, man. It, uh, shit Bad. show was the uh, only way to describe it. Refs start pouring out of the dressing room no, to, exactly. to break those two up. And, you know, Oof. you cut, you cut back into the ring and now you've got Sean and mankind still laid out. But Paul Bearer is like yeah. raising the urn. Yeah, he's got down. the urn upside down. <laughs> yeah, like, it looks so weird. So strange. I don't understand it. Maybe if it's up, it's right side up for Undertaker. It's upside uh-huh. down. Is yeah. uh, there we go. Like that. that's, that's why Purple Undertaker then pops out of the coffin and the bell is the bell. The ringing of the bell is the most obnoxious sound through all of these matches during is this it era. It's oh, just no. constantly. Uh, uh, I love. I kind of like that. Me too. I, I love like it. it. 
It's just it's, the sign of chaos. Yes, it's too exactly. Much. I, it's the sign what of chaos. What does it do, though? <laughs> it, it tells you... <laughs> Knock it, it off. That's what it's saying. Exactly. It it's telling you everything is out of control. Like Nobody has bell. any clue what's going on. And these guys are insane just going after one another. And nobody can stop it. Refs flying everywhere. Like, I feel like that ring bell needs to come back. And, you know, instead of the zoom in and out to show oh, you that yeah. it's chaos, just ring the friggin' bell. That's what happened at, right. Mike, at Mikey Workrate's bachelor party, I believe, at the Beer Olympics. I uh, we never finished because I splashed a beer in one of our friends' faces. We needed the ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> oh man! I wish Undertaker. you had that in more places in life at your workplace. <laughs> Kids getting a fight at school. Ding 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 ding. Uh, take her popping out of there. there. That's a good idea. Take her popping out of the coffin. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting spot. He comes to save. Uh, it's like a Vegas save, magician save showing up. It it's just like I think that for me, this match is amazing. Um, but it goes back to the ending, and not necessarily the ending. First of all, they had to protect mankind. He was like their their top heel or one of their top heels, so they couldn't have him lose clean. Um, but they also didn't want to take the belt off of Sean. Um, so it's it's interesting how they decided to protect them. Um, I, I wish you could have figured out a different way and kept Sid and Vader out of this because they just felt really unnecessary. Um, it's the only but, bad part of the match. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, and I feel like they would have not interfered had it been like a Rumble match or a, uh, a SummerSlam or WrestleMania or Survivor Series even. But this is straight up Undertaker hate from the Undertaker hater and uh, Mr. Oh, yeah. Cooler over here because yeah. I forgot that this was the finish and I forgot that Undertaker pops out of the casket. So when, you know, Mankind is rolling Sean towards the casket and Paul Bearer opens it up. I was completely uh, off guard and Paul Bearer's reaction. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah, I pretty so much great. had the same reaction <laughs> watching it. <laughs> yeah, Paul Bearer, the whole match is great. But yeah, yeah the whole, I like the, I don't mind the undertaker spot here. Like no, no other I guys think it's awesome. Yeah. I do too. The undertaker spot. I approve of it's the, the Vader and Sid involvement. That is a little unnecessary. Um, but yeah. that being said, I'm jumping right in and I'm going to give it, five cans of the cooler just because I love both of these guys. I love this match. Uh, man, I, I picked it for my September match. Uh, I knew it right away. Go. You, you can either agree or you can disagree. Uh, we've given, <laughs> I'll go fine. Well, we've given a lot of fives out lately, so mm, I don't know, but yes, it's a five-star match because despite the ending, like they talk about in the edge and Christian podcast, it's, what uh 25 minutes and 43 seconds of excellence with 17 seconds of whatever yeah and that that's not getting me to remove a can from the cooler it's not doing it for me so that's five it's a five star it is so much fun it feels like a modern match it's fast it's furious there's so many good spots and you have two of the all-time best wrestlers going at it in a in a, a rare appearance together well i'm gonna have to disagree with you there I gave it a 4.75 can cooler. <laughs> you know, I have like a quart instead of a, a pint here. All right. Uh, you know, I think it could have used a little more Ahmed Johnson, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
mean, if we're going to have anybody interfere, why not Ahmed? You know, yeah, it's true. That is an Ahmed thing to do. He's not on this card. He's not on this card. It's a shame because this is his era. Like he's ready. He's a big guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, we're waiting to get wedgied. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Perfect segue. Uh, and- Thank you, Jim. So I'm going to start talking why I gave it four and a half stars. Oh, so declining. I'm the low man here. This this match until those last 17 seconds is is tremendous. It's a classic match that right. if you haven't seen it in forever, you need to go back and watch it. So I'm going to take a half a can out of the cooler because there's the non-finish, the Leon botch being too late. Yeah. The, I love the undertaker Gaga and all that afterwards, but Nick, you're the HPA. You're the HBK guy. Why in the world after the match is he oh. posing in the middle of the ring and dropping his drawers and showing his ass off? And like, what? He's got to. What? For, for what? what? That's and he's classic like, era of. Don't uh, understand it. Kisses so I don't many either. girls. He's, yeah. yeah. No, the girls yeah, are so like many. raping him as oh he's walking God. around yeah. the ring. One, it's, one girl gets two kisses in. Yes. Yeah. She like literally grabs him by the neck and yanks him in just to kiss him <laughs> on the cheek. Not only once, but he comes around and does hubba, it a hubba. second time. Uh, but. I, I guess Sean's got a tattoo on his ass that he's yeah, wanting to show yeah, off. Is that yeah. the reason for him dropping his drawers? And not only because he's got the he's got the tights, but then he's got the uh, Nick always calls them the underwear over the top of them. So <laughs> yeah. like he drops those quick and then just pulling his ass out and showing off his tattoo on his ass cheek. So. It's a very, very young crowd there, too. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's a little disturbing. He looks like he's yeah. picked out one dude that has the mullet of the century in the front row. And he's like talking to him. I wonder if he's like the tattoo artist. And like, that's why. Hey, man, look what you did. It looks awesome. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> well, that's that's some good K-Fob right there. <laughs> All, right. All right. Fine. Maybe lose a half a can. For yeah. so I'm play. going four and a half because of because of a quarter of the can because of the ass, a quarter of the can because of the no finish. Um, but I wanted to talk about something else too. So as HBK is taking his like victory lap around the ring, he makes it to the announce desk and JR I like, passed him right away. And Vince mutters unbelievable. What seems to be like not supposed to be on mic or he forgets that he's on mic. And then he turns it quickly into like shaking hands with Michaels and yeah, like repeating unbelievable as he's like heart to heart. Like I love you stare into his eyes of like, <laughs> looks so sincere and just crediting him for this unbelievable match. And don't get me wrong. The match deserved every single unbelievable that he said there, but it was just really yeah, interesting as, as we were headed out of this match. And it was even like, even after he passed Vince, the way he looked at perfect, it right. was almost like perfect heard it too. Yep. Uh, Cause they kind of looked at each other and said something which was off mic. Right. And we, right. and we know that they do have this weird or they had the oh, yeah. father son relationship, especially at the time where Vince is kind of like, he loves them. He mm-hmm. loves them. Right. And, he you, can do, you and totally Michaels can it. do no wrong. L-U-V or L-O-V-E? <laughs> I think it was more of a, yeah. I, no, I think it was an L-O-V, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Full heart. Uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer gave this match four and three quarters stars. So, mm. I mean, pretty interesting. They call but, me uh, Mikey Meltzer. I was right on the <laughs> ball there. <laughs> you do have, you've got Meltzer vibes. I, I get it. <laughs> Watch out! And just turn Mike heel just by saying that. <laughs> this this match was fun. It, it was fun to do this again. Um, so our next homework match is going to be uh, 
a little bit different for us. And it's going to be our first ECW match that we Ooh. cover. Um, so when what we're going to do actually is we're each going to suggest a match and whoever's match wins that will get to pick the category um, for the following week's homework. So I am picking an ECW match um, for next week's homework. And we've each come up with, with a match. I'll put them in my Instagram story and you guys, listeners can vote on the, which you'd like us to watch and report back on. Please pick mine because then uh, if I win, I'm going to do a best of Dino Bravo round. So <laughs> if that's not an endorsement to vote for me, I don't know what is. So. Uh, you just shot yourself in the foot. Bang, bang. That's I'll okay. say it again. I'm excited to be back on a weekly basis. Um, so uh, I'm going to hand it over to Matt for our uh, extra credit segment. Let's do it. The Extra Cooler Show is a proud member of the Pod Foundation. The Pod Foundation is a partnership between ourselves, the Chick Foley Show, and Turnbuckle Tavern. We're committed to bringing wrestling fans everywhere the best content possible and sharing our love for all things professional wrestling. Follow at Pod Foundation on Instagram and Twitter to interact with us and stay up to date with all of our shows. So our first homework of the new semester is in the books, and here we are for our extra credit. So normally we would be talking about our top three stories of the week in wrestling, but man, I think we may have to switch things up a little bit. And it's it's, it's pretty apropos that we have our extra credit segment brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com, but I don't think they need any help this month or this week <laughs> or for the next couple of years because the amount of t-shirts that will be thrown out there and printed and shipped out by pro wrestling tees over the next few weeks, I imagine is going to be in friggin' sane. So we have a lot to talk about and let's dive right in and let's talk about some honorable mention. And I think this is the only time we're going to talk about the big E from the Northeast here with uh, some honorable mention Finn versus Roman from SmackDown this past week, but we're not going to talk about the match. We're not going to talk anything except for on the way out after Roman is leaving the ring victorious. We get the lights dim, they turn red and you hear a thump thump. And that is it. Everybody kind of stops. The announcer stops. Roman stops. Everyone pays mind to it for that half a second. And then back to business as normal. Are we getting, are we getting the demon? Yes, I think. We're going to get the demon and all this is going to do is just continue to build Roman's uh, title reign and he's just going to take another monster out and uh, and that's the demons next. Man, it's kind of disappointing because demon could beat him. No way. I mean, Finn here had a really good showing. I didn't want to talk about this match, guys. <laughs> Finn had a really good showing in this match and even getting jumped before and, you know, going in in a little bit of a handicap, he sh- still showed out and still had the opportunity to win this match at the end. And Roman felt like he was in a little bit of jeopardy. I don't think anybody thought he would actually lose, especially on a SmackDown episode, but hearing this and seeing the demon feet tease at the end kind of has me intrigued, but we have way too much AEW to talk about here, fellas all out just happened a couple of days ago. And I know that the wrestling world and myself included are still buzzing from everything that went down on this card. Holy shit. What a pay-per-view, man. 
it feels less like uh, extra credit than and more like the SATs right now, right? I mean, <clears throat> but isn't this? I feel it just feels like the most pivotal moment um, in wrestling, not in wrestling history, but in you know in this the last era. twenty years, it feels like a turning point. Like yes, a Monday night, you know, just how the Monday night wars were. This is this was that night was something else, man. And you know what was so interesting to me is that we had this huge build of CM Punk and the return and the first dance on rampage and everything was this huge CM Punk situation. And then he wasn't the main event. He had a awesome intro and the pop was there and it was really cool to see all of the like lead up to the match. And then it was just kind of a match and, you know, he, was good. Uh, I thought the match was entertaining. I mean, this entire card didn't have a match that really, no, there was one popcorn match, which I'm sure we'll allude to a little bit later, but like this just hit you in the face after match, after match, after match. And it, it, it was, it was really, really cool. And it, to me, was just crazy that all of this CM Punk stuff was almost buried in the card. Yeah, no, it was. Punk is an interesting uh, uh, thing to me because I was <laughs> the thing I've been most excited to see out of CM Punk was just him in the middle of the ring with a microphone. Um, not as much as seeing him in the middle of the ring wrestling. Um, I don't know why the guy's just, he's got my attention when he's got a microphone in his hand. Uh, he's, he's quick with it. He's, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, what a night. How many times do we have to say it? What a night. It yeah. feels like if you know what it reminds me of, it feels like um those like peak NXT pay-per-views, but like times 10 or like times a hundred. <laughs> you know, um just it, it it blew everything out of the water. It's it's awesome to see them come out swinging too. And they only have four pay-per-views a, a year. So you know, you've got this quarterly pay-per-view and they have yet to Wait, come up short. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. are yet to come up short. Um, I thought that the MJF intro and teasing the countdown and, you know, you have the stipulation of uh, Chris Jericho's last match if he loses, but man, as a Jericho mark myself and really that 99 entrance into WWE was just tremendous and, and having MJF come down and, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I was expecting Jericho to come out and boom, here comes MJF. And the match was really good. Um, I think the only flub of the night was the guitar playing of Jericho down to the ring. Um, But we'll, (laughs) we'll leave that one in the rear view mirror, I guess. Uh, But man, that was kind of tough on the crowd. (laughs) That was about as awkward as big show. uh, Paul White's ring gear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. We didn't talk about CM Punk's ring gear. Nick, why don't you weigh in on that one? Uh, The pants, man. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait a second. No, here's you love Lashley when he switches (laughs) to the pants. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. They don't look like quite right. I feel like he'll get it right. He'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, like I, 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 had a lot of tequila that night while I was watching and I, I tweeted something out. I didn't quite get my point across, but um, if CM Punk, and I don't want to wage the war, but if CM Punk returned to WWE and was wearing pants, people would have had a fit. 
That's that's all I'm gonna say. Um, don't drink and but, tweet people. I don't know. I think <laughs> Chick Foley called them punk pants. She had some good points. They need they need work. They need work. That's okay. Um, they do. So let's talk about. I think the match of 2021 at this point and the young bucks and the Lucha bros in the steel cage. Holy shit, man. Like if you haven't seen this match, go seek it out because this match was just unreal. Bell to bell with the, the thumbtacked oh, Nike Jordan one, like insane. But uh, this entire match was in, in just absolutely insane. I, I don't even have words to describe it. I was like thinking all day of how I'm going to talk about this match. And I still am here 10 hours later with nothing to yeah. say. Well, I think all no. of us are pretty speechless about the whole thing. It's hard to put this into words because of the, it is, but that match, yes, the, from the, the, the chops around the way mm-hmm. to the super kicks around, it's, it was incredible. It's, uh, people put it up in ma- as match of the year with uh, what's the recent NXT one? Um, Walter and... Uh, yes, thank Zagunov. you. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. Uh, I think one and two. It has to be. Yeah. To me, favorite, this, but. this was easily number one. And the Dragonoff match, hell yeah, awesome. But listen, this this match was insane with tearing off of masks and like just seeing yeah. Penta gushing blood like a stuck pig. Jim wasn't here for the stuck pig, but we'll uh, throw that one out there. Again. I listened to it and I was saying, <laughs> I know what a stuck pig is, but uh... <laughs> oh, and this man. match is so early on the card too. It's such Where does the pig get yeah. stuck? I don't get it. <laughs> Google it. The, Google you know it. what? The, the, and then be careful. <laughs> underrated part of this this match was the entrance that the Lucha Bros had was so awesome. But I'm just glad that they did not cut to the crowd to see all like the uh, like all the the white guys of Chicago like bobbing up and down to that because I don't think it would have worked. Um, but it was uh, to me it was awesome and it just it set the bar and uh, you knew what was about to come. Absolutely. Now let's get to the filet mignon of this dinner evening. Um, how about all of these debuts in AEW, man? And Jim, you said it earlier. It feels like a turning point. But first, Ruby Soho, which me growing up on An Outcome the Wolves by Rancid, man, like go. I popped song. huge. The whole album is like top five for me all time. Just incredible. And Lars from the band is a huge wrestling guy too. So yes. he's one of us, but R- Ruby, it seemed like everybody in the world is in her corner and myself included. And it was cool to see her win the uh, casino battle Royal. Her and Thunder Rosa, like throwing down at the end of that was, was awesome. It was like, Oh, the, their women's division or whatever they want to call it has a chance. Like yes. there is hope. Yeah. That was the one spot they were lacking. I thought. Yeah, that's like the one strong point of WWE uh, when it compared to AEW. And if you start poaching, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yep. All right, let's do it. Main event. You've got Christian being defeated by Kenny Omega. And then we've got the elite in the middle of the ring. And we get some Adam Cole, baby. Oh, man. This guy's my favorite wrestler. Um, he's He's awesome. Even the, the music worked because it kind of like felt like some yes. of his NXT music. I love the music. Um, and I think that helped. Um, 
I, I, I'm like almost speechless on it. I'm like, I'm looking down and I keep looking at the names. <laughs> it's just still what two days later does not feel real. How often yeah. have you seen a double debut like this? A double, you Within know, like seconds of each other. Yeah. Yes. Like two and, and absolute studs. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, has it ever happened? I don't think so. Right. This is the first I would imagine. Absolutely, man. And it's, yeah. you, you get Adam Cole aligning with, his friends in the elite, which I think is the only way to make it happen. And for us to ever doubt it or for anybody to ever doubt that he wasn't going there uh, was just silly on our behalf. And then right. I think the most genius part of this entire pay-per-view is the fact that they have a remix of flight of the Valkyries for Brian Danielson as he enters and instantly recognizable because the yeah. one thing that I've like, uh, you know, quietly complained about is just the lack of like real bangers on the, on the, the themes. Like when you yeah. really mm-hmm. think about, uh, when you really think about AEW, you're not getting those iconic wrestling themes out of them. And, you know, WWE was really good for a long time at doing it. And I think it's made me spoiled. And maybe it's because I have a f- almost five-year-old that wants to listen to themes on repeat and actually has a Spotify playlist that he asks me to put on while we're driving. So I'm listening to them all the time. Uh, but man, it was so genius that instantly recognizable as the first note hits, holy yeah, shit, you knew. here is... Daniel, Brian, Brian Danielson, and oh man, the earth shattering everything. Was these things a louder pop than uh, CM Punk? Oh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I know in my own head it wasn't, but I was so jarred of like, oh man, here it is. And I, I, I you had this feeling coming into the event that, you know, there's, all of the rumors and speculation and all of that. And it, I think I texted it to Nick earlier in the night. Like it, there's no doubt he's there. Like you were expecting yeah. it, but was so good is that AEW gave us what we wanted and it wasn't anything other than that. So you have spoilers and everybody complains about how spoilers are ruining wrestling, but when the spoilers are there and they still deliver yeah, in a you satisfying it- way and they pay it off the right way, Nobody cares that they knew it was coming because it's so, it felt so friggin' good. It's like Christmas morning, man. You, you ask well for the, the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo <laughs> and, and you know you're going to get it. And you wake up and you get it and you're still like really hyped. Now, can you imagine like getting two know? Super Nintendos? <laughs> no, or, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I was going to say, can you imagine like, you know, not Super even Nintendo asking for it because you think yeah. you're not, you, you think, you're, you think right. you're not gonna get it and then you get it out of nowhere um, right. that would make it even more amazing but still uh bravo so well done it, yeah, it was man. it was amazing it's and, insane and then punk with two weeks earlier i mean how would when has yeah. this ever happened and to the point of expecting things if you could dial it back to the 90s when WCW and WF are feuding and we knew when guys are going to jump ship, you knew Jericho was coming, right? Did that spoil it when he showed up? No. So like it, these kind of moments that they're coming back where guys are going between yeah. federations, if you want to call them that, it's the best. It was always my favorite part of wrestling and it's it's super exciting. And AEW, I think what they're doing is that there's there's obvious joy like in what's happening yeah. over there where WWE uh, it's felt joyless uh for you lack know what of what WWE should do 
Sorry to cut you off, but oh. they should get uh, a fake Daniel Bryan and a fake Adam Cole. <laughs> <laughs> and they can attack Hold them, Daniel Omega. Bryan. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to comp this uh, moment, this kind of what feels like a turning point to a previous moment. And the best I have is like the night after WrestleMania 14 when like X-Pac uh, makes his debut in the WWF and it felt like the WWF right. turned the tide against the WCW, yeah. even despite the limited roster and the lack of money and everything that was going on there. They had like the, uh, the zeitgeist, you know, the cultural, you know, like they, ha- they were the, the cool underdogs at that point, which is shocking to say about WWF. And this is, that's, that's the best way I can compare, but this is different too. I mean, this is now a total underdog, you know, David slaying Goliath and, we talk about like what WWE has been sitting on the one yard line. Like, like how do you stop this, this yeah. giant? Like it, it always seemed like WWE was going to be wrestling for the rest of our lives. Right. Like, and that there was no room for oxygen for anyone else. And then this little upstart just yeah takes off. And, and the fact that it's at this point, it's insane. And it's just an incredible time to be a wrestling it, fan. Obviously this guy's right? got like Vince McMahon money. So Right. Yeah, but but even so, you you can't it you it takes something to uh, and I think it's WWE's fault for doing what the you know oh totally done for so long that they let this happen, which is I, I hate to say let it happen, but because it, it's a benefit to everyone watching wrestling, uh, you know it's just it's it's fascinating I think. Yeah, to me, there's like this part of me that that's just like okay, slow down, slow just slow down a little bit because if they poached. Too many more guys. How are you oversaturated? Them in? And and listen, that that you know they've done a great job at it so far. They've done a, a great job at just dropping like little promos, little backstage interviews with guys just to keep their storylines like involved. Um, but man, I don't know. Speaking there were some guys that weren't even on the card tonight. Yeah. Think about it. And I know it was because of like travel restrictions or whatever, but Andrade versus Pac sure. didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Malachi Black didn't have a match on the card. Uh, you know, Orange Cassidy, who was in the main event at their last pay-per-view, was in in the, the opener on the pre-show. Um, so, I don't know. It, it's just food for thought. And so, uh, Mike Belcaster from the Turnbuckle Tavern guys over there said it really well in the pod foundation chat. Like, yeah, those guys weren't on the main card, if you will, but the whole weekend was all in Chicago and everything felt like the main card, like everything from rampage to dynamite to everything. This was like a huge celebration of AEW, right. And I thought it was so well said. So Mike Bravo. And if you guys aren't tuning in for AEW stuff with the turnbuckle tavern guys, like go jump over, they've got a, a ton of content on both YouTube and on, on podcasts. Um, but it's, it's really cool. Cause Mike was there for it. Uh, and it was oh, cool to hear awesome. and both uh, Mike and the, the two chads were there as well. And just hearing them talk about the, the experience in the crowd was, was really cool to hear. So go check those guys out, but man, I've been, been trying to stay quiet as you guys are doing this WWE and AEW talk, because there's nothing that pisses me off more than having this high of watching a wrestling show that paid you back for watching it and paid you back for shilling out your money to go see it. If you actually did that, but 
then we have to have the instant reaction of a middle finger out to Vince. And <laughs> it just drives me insane because I want to get lost in AEW. Yeah. Like I've gotten to the point where, and I've been very vocal that I've been slow to jump over because I'm just not emotionally invested in any of the elite guys. I wasn't emotionally invested in any of kind of the storylines were coming along. And then we see the trickle down of the, of the Malachi blacks. And now you're getting Adam Cole, which Nick, you said was your favorite wrestler, man. He is, if, if he's not number one, he's one a for yeah. me. And like, we've got a, Daniel, uh, Brian, Brian Danielson. I'm going to keep messing that up for a yeah, long it's time. It's going to take a while. Uh, but Brian Danielson coming in and just hearing his posts, pay-per-view going off the air, like speaking to the crowd made me want to watch even more. So the emotional investment is coming. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like just no. stop doing it because at yeah. the end of the day, WWE is making decision to go at a demographic that may not be you. And that's all well and good because I know as somebody that has a five-year-old that's already interested in this beautiful thing that we're calling professional wrestling or sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. But AEW is delivering it for the knuckleheads like us that are sitting here talking into microphones and thinking <laughs> yep. and feeling passionately about wrestling, not just yep sports entertainment, but actual storytelling, actual wrestling, actually paying you off at the end of the day. So don't smack them in the face by going off and talking about what they, what you feel is competition, but actually fucking enjoy it and yeah, go here and just enjoy what you're watching because it is phenomenal. I'm going to get Amen. off my soapbox. Sorry. Well, no, I don't, well I don't have to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's nothing else to say except for, I agree. 1000%. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, I'm always, I hate this. Uh, I, team sports are one thing, right? We argue about the bills and the dolphins, and the Niners and the Colts and all that stuff. And you have your team, you do that, but I, I don't like um, sports. I mean, I'm sorry, wrestling or music as a team sport thing. We're like, Oh, the, you my team's great. Your sucks. Tell us all how much you love pop country music. No, sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> well, you know what I mean though, right? Like, <laughs> yes, I, like, 100%. I, I don't, like, don't, you don't have to shit on someone else's band. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. I want to say to WWE, you deserve this. Like, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I, I don't, I, I get what Matt, what you're saying about the demographic thing, but I don't know. WWE, you're and you're not wrong in stating all of the wrong things that are happening in WWE because it's been atrocious and it has yeah. not been watchable. And quite frankly, like out of the, the the last month and why we've taken you know a little hiatus is because all of us have been insanely busy. And the only wrestling like appointment watching that I've had has been AEW. I was in San Francisco just a few weeks ago for work and that was the only time throughout that week that I sat down and made, made sure I was in front of a television was dynamite. It's yeah. the only time all week. And it's saying something for, you know, us being the WWF guys, if you will, the WWE guys, but it, it, it's the tides are turning. And like you said, Jim, this was the most pivotal time. It feels like the most pivotal time since. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my comp was off. Maybe it's more like, um, a couple of years later in WWF when uh, the, the radicals defected and, <laughs> and then Jericho came not long uh-huh. after where it's like, holy crap, like but we're winning we, this thing. I, I, and then I'm, I'm saying we like, but back then I was like, 
total WF mark sure. like WCW like and I, so I get that feeling um but but that's yeah. that's what it feels like it feels like the tide is turned and it's it, it totally does but my rant was not because that you're calling out for WWE doing something wrong it I'm ranting and I'm getting I'm speaking passionately because you're turning your head away from all of the good to point out what's bad. Yeah. And instead you're of right. sitting there and basking in the glory, sorry, Keith Lee, but basking in the glory of what's happening on AEW, just sit back and enjoy it instead of having to go over and just talk shit about the quote yep. unquote competition. But and this is what we always want. We've always said that WWF competition. needs, WWE yes. needs this, right? Yes. And maybe, maybe this lights it up. And, they, right. and to Nick's point, I think Nick made this so, point online so. on Twitter or Instagram somewhere. The WWE is stacked with talent, despite all the cuts they've made. They are mm-hmm. stacked. They've got a million guys they could go to. The Owens, the Zanes, forget, I mean, Reigns, obviously. All like Think about that roster. Right. Like, it's still loaded. The Usos, I mean, like, yeah. these guys they have just, pride, right? Like they still got guys like Walter and... Yeah. Uh, Do you think they're not this, seeing like, this? And, like, they're like, we... They're gonna to want to respond. I would imagine. Like, so hope. we're we're primed for like something special here. I think. Yep. They need to figure out a way to get rid of those writers and uh, <laughs> and the let writers, themselves yeah. do their job. But uh, I'm gonna step in and say that we need to save this more for our uh, show next week because uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is fun and uh, I think this is a good place to end. It was uh, the SATs, like we could go on for all night here. This is- <laughs> WWE, what you gonna do, brother? <laughs> so, so as I said earlier in the show, we're we are changing and shifting gears to a a weekly podcast. Um, we're gonna be bringing you homework one week and extra credit the next, and uh, I'm excited to do it with these three guys uh, by my side. So, don't forget, I'm on Instagram at Extra Cooler, Twitter at Extra Cooler Show, and. Uh, We've got shirts on uh, prowrestlingtees.com backslash extra cooler show. Uh, rate, review, tell your friends, follow, whatever you got to do. And uh, be sure to follow the, the pod foundation. Hey, Cheers, if you're, guys. If you're, uh, I'm sorry. If you're in Rochester for the AEW show later in September, I'll be wearing an extra cooler show podcast shirt. So say hi to me. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just Jim, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Later. Not a whole lot upstairs when it comes to Shawn Michaels.